Well, hello, Chapel Roswell. Thank you for worshiping with us online. Regardless of when you're watching this or from where you are watching this, we are so glad that we are together in spirit to worship and to reflect on the powerful love that God has for you and for me. Now, friends, this morning we kick off a three-week series entitled Lost and Found. We're looking at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. It has Jesus telling three different parables all about this concept of being lost and then this glorious concept about being found, this celebration that ensues when something or someone is indeed, in fact, found. Let me start off this morning by telling you about Pee Wee Reese. Pee Wee Reese is a baseball Hall of Famer. He was a shortstop for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Now, back in 1947, African-American player Jackie Robinson, he broke baseball's color barrier by becoming the first black player in the major leagues. Now, many of the players on the Brooklyn Dodgers didn't welcome him with open arms. In fact, to the contrary, a lot of them signed a petition stating that they refused to play on a baseball team with a black man. Robinson did encounter all sorts of fan taunting and booing whenever they played at home or on the road. And in the May of uh, 1947, the Brooklyn Dodgers were playing a road game in Cincinnati. The fans were continually heckling Jackie Robinson, yelling racial slurs and uh, just trying to rattle him. And in fact, slowly but surely, he did start to get rattled. But that's when Pee Wee Reese, this white future Hall of Famer, walked over to Jackie Robinson. He extended his right arm, put it around Jackie Robinson to, to support him, to show this solidarity. It's his way of reaching beyond himself to bring comfort and acceptance to someone who at that point didn't feel it. In Brooklyn, in fact, even today, there is a statue that commemorates that moment of Pee Wee Reese standing with his arm around Jackie Robinson. The story of one reaching outside of himself to bring comfort to someone else, especially when doing so could be socially risky. So this morning, as we look at Luke chapter 15, let me set the stage for the passage we're going to look at this morning. Uh, crowds were flocking to hear Jesus, to see Jesus, his teaching, his preaching, his miracles. His messages were aimed not only at religious followers, not only the, the pious Jews, but to all people, the Gentiles included, those who didn't come from a Jewish background. And that leads us to our scripture this morning and the confrontation that resulted in his audience, the audience to whom he was teaching. Now, these throngs of people, they would gather around Jesus. They would not only want to hear what he had to say, but, but there were many who came for opposite reasons. They came because they wanted to confront Jesus and the message that he was preaching. Now, many heard the message of Jesus. They wanted to hear about what he had to say about God and God's love for them, God's call for them. There were many, though, who were these religious leaders of that day and age. They wanted to see what all the fuss was about. Many, in fact, felt threatened by these newfound followers of Jesus. Their religious establishment was being uh, rattled. It was being challenged, and they didn't like that one bit. Now, there were some religious leaders, some Pharisees, who no doubt really went with genuine intentions to hear and see what Jesus was teaching and preaching 
but there were a lot who didn't like Jesus and they wanted to confront him. That eventually led to his arrest and his crucifixion. So we pick it up in chapter 15 of Luke, verse 1 and verse 2. The tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with him. You see, Jesus knew their hearts. He knew that people weren't there for the genuine motives and these leaders weren't keen on the message that Jesus was preaching. And so Jesus tells three parables to confront those religious leaders who came to confront Jesus. He tells the parable of the lost sheep. It, it's a parable that talks about being lost, this lostness that, that, that takes us away from where we need to be. He tells the parable of the lost coin. It's a parable that focuses on our search for something that is lost. And finally, Jesus tells the parable of the lost son. This well-known parable is often referred to as the parable of the prodigal son. And this talks about the fact when something is lost and then something that is found, the celebration will ensue. But the focus this morning on Jesus' passage, it's not so much about what he says, uh, but it's about his audience, to whom he is teaching and preaching. Who is this crowd that is surrounding Jesus this morning? Well, Luke in verse 1 and verse 2, he gives us two extremes, at least according to that culture. On one hand, you have the Pharisees and you have the religious leaders. They are amongst the most well-regarded, the, the most wise people of that day and age. But on the other end of the extreme, the other end of the spectrum, you find, as Luke calls it, sinners and tax collectors. Those people who were so shunned and looked down upon in that culture. So what do we know about the sinners in that story? Well, they were gathered around Jesus, the scripture says, because they genuinely wanted to hear what he had to say. They could hear and they could experience the life-giving, the life-saving, and the life-changing message that Jesus was ushering in. What do we know about the others in that audience that day? Well, they were the religious leaders and they didn't like one bit what Jesus was saying, and they certainly didn't like the fact that he was saying it to sinners and tax collectors. You see, it went against the man-made uh, man religious traditions and customs of that day and age for Jesus to be around sinners. The scripture says in verse 2 that Jesus dined with the sinners and tax collectors, and that was a huge no-no, not just because of the social norms of that day and age, but also because of Jewish religious customs Customs, which said that if you were around these sinners or these lowly people, as they were regarded back then, that you would be defiled spiritually. You would be unclean before the presence of God. Well, obviously, Jesus didn't think much about these man-made traditions because he did, in fact, dine with the sinners and the tax collectors. He wanted everyone to know that regardless of their background, regardless of what they had done or where they had been, that they were, in fact, so incredibly loved by God. That was huge. In that culture, sharing a meal with someone was seen as a deep-rooted connection. It was seen as something with great intimacy. That Jesus obviously enjoyed his time with these sinners and these tax collectors because that's what dining would bring about. 
So Jesus was spending his time, his energy with people who were not like him. And that angered many of the religious leaders of that day and age. The religious establishment, you could say, didn't like the message of Jesus, and they certainly didn't like the audience of Jesus. I think our context this morning focuses on those people. Who are those people in your life or, or those people in our culture, those people over there who aren't like us or those people over there who don't think like us. You see, Jesus went against the social norms, the social taboos, and he condemned, in fact, the legalistic teaching and preaching of the Pharisees. He didn't like that because that went against the message that God was bringing about. You see, in our current climate right now, across the country, we have seen mass demonstrations and racial equality is something that maybe some of us take for granted. I've never walked in the shoes of anyone other than myself, and so I don't know what it's like to be in the shoes of someone else. I do know that in Scripture, we find a lot of instances of racial inequality, and in each situation, in each instance, God doesn't like that. In the Old Testament, the Israelites, the Hebrews, they were looked down upon by a lot of the warring nations around them. These warring nations around them wanted to basically obliterate them, to to wipe them off the map. And and God would usher in protection for the Jewish people, this supernatural hedge around them, so to speak. The Egyptians, they slaved the Israelites because they didn't like them. They looked down upon them. In the New Testament, we find that the Israelites, the Jewish people, were oppressed by the oppressive armies and military might of the Roman Empire. But the Jewish people themselves were not innocent when we talk about racial inequality. They viewed other people as inferior. For example, you had the Samaritans. They were seen as racially impure by the Jewish people. The Jewish people avoided any sort of physical or social contact with the Samaritans. In fact, if you were traveling from one place to another, you would go way out of your way to avoid walking through the region known as Samaria. Even touching someone of a Samaritan background was seen as defiling in the eyes of Jewish customs and traditions. And yet Jesus went way out of his way to welcome Samaritans into his audience. He even touched people, physically touched Samaritans who were lepers. That you just didn't do in that day and age. You see, Jesus consistently treated people with respect, even if they weren't viewed with respect by those around them. Most Jewish people looked down upon the Gentiles, the the Gentiles over there. They were not the people of God. And yet Jesus said that he brought the message not only to the Jewish people, not only those with this religious heritage, if you will, but he brought it to all people, including the Gentiles. And this certainly rattled a lot of that religious establishment of the Jewish people. In fact, if you were to go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, you read about a centurion, basically a Roman military official. He displayed a great deal of faith in Jesus, and he begged Jesus to heal his servant. In Matthew 8.10, listen to what Jesus tells this Gentile, this Roman military official. He says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed 
And he said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Wow, what Jesus says was nothing short of scandalous. It certainly angered the Jewish leaders. But you see, friends, it reveals that where God reigns, the powers that fuel racism and inequality are confronted. These barriers, these walls will be torn down. Where God reigns, his vision is to unite and to reconcile. How are we allowing God to do that in our lives here and now today? You see, we often think of equality in terms of maybe black and white in our culture. That certainly is a big issue. But maybe there are others who are different than us. And deep down inside, there's a part of us that maybe looks down on them or doesn't give them the respect that God calls us to give them. Those people who don't look like us. Those people who don't think like us. Maybe those social groups over there who don't have anything in common with us. You see, Jesus didn't let the social norms of his day and age, the religious traditions, dictate the relationships that he had with those around him. Do we? Do you? Do I? You see, spiritually, we often focus on our works, those things that we do to bring us into a right relationship with God. But you see, our theology talks about something radically different. Our faith is not based on our works. It's not based on us pursuing God, but rather it's the good news of a loving God who pursues us. Friends, may we realize that those of us who think that we're not lost may be the ones who are indeed lost the most. You see, the good news of Jesus is that he doesn't see us the ways in which our culture does. He doesn't even see us the ways in which we may view ourselves. Check this out.
you.